0: Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the Lord as I share this word. I pray that you would flow through me in a particular way. Let your purposes be accomplished today. I ask it in the matchless name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Now, please take up your Bibles and say this after me. This is God's word. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Fantastic. The title of the message this morning is, If My People. If My People. And when I mention those first three words, I think that most of us know the scripture that is coming. So there is a well-known verse of scripture in the book of Chronicles that is often referred to when praying for a nation. It's Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. Are you familiar with that verse of Scripture? I have been to countless Christian gatherings, bigger gatherings, interchurch church gatherings, where this Scripture has been quoted, and then what usually happens is prayer is followed, a time of prayer after quoting the scripture. I remember one particular occasion where my dad was leading a moment of prayer. And it happened a bunch of years ago. Uh, It was a time of prayer at a Carmen concert. Any of you remember Carmen? A Carmen concert that took place in Johannesburg in the early 90s and 50,000 people were jammed into the Wanderers Cricket Stadium for an awesome event. Maybe some of you were even there. And my dad had a 10 or 15 minute slot to pray for the nation and he used this verse of scripture from Chronicles. I'll never forget it. I was standing way at the back of the stadium and I was quite uh, chuffed to see my dad leading all these people in prayer and And he used this scripture and it was a powerful moment in God. Now, I felt the need this morning to take a closer look at this verse of scripture and perhaps allow God to speak to us from it as never before. I would imagine that for most of you here today, you've heard the scripture, but maybe you've never actually heard a message preached on it. You've just heard it referred to and then we pray for the nation. And so I have a sense of going a little deeper that God can speak to us through it as never before. Why? Because we are facing critical times in South Africa. We really are. We are seeing things that are of great concern to all of us. We are facing discouraging reports at every turn we are seeing that there is rampant and unrestrained corruption. It's unbelievable, the extent of corruption. We thought Nkandla was bad. Meanwhile, there's just widespread looting across our country. It's shocking. It's wrong. It's unrighteous. We also see that there is a crisis in civil government, in civil leadership, and this is serious, serious. The church cannot be doing nothing. And so we need to find guidance from the Bible. There is no better place. And we have to be people of the word when it's going well and people of the word when it's going tough. Can you say amen? Amen. So we need to find guidance from the Bible and know how to be used of God to bring healing in adverse times. So let's look at our text for today. Those joining us on television, great to have you with us. Second Chronicles 7, verse 12 to verse 15, reading from the New King James Version. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place, that is, the temple which had just been dedicated, for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I. Will step in. I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Isn't that beautiful? I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Now, wouldn't you agree that that is a fascinating verse of scripture? It's not one that you just quickly glance over and say yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at it and you think, wow, this is interesting. This is fascinating. And maybe this passage could be summed up as follows. If my people will do something, then I will do something. (laughs) Do you see that there's a part for the people of God to play so that God can bring the healing? Now, there are four things that we as the people of God need to do. Number one, humble ourselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek his face. And number four, turn from our wicked ways. Those are the things that we need to do. What needs to be fulfilled, the conditions in order to experience the promise. Allow me to give you a little bit of the context around this story. Yeah, we've read a verse or two before and after. It gives a bit of context. But allow me to give you something of the bigger picture of what's happening here. It's quite an interesting one. What's happened is that Solomon has been building the temple at Mount Moriah for seven years and it has finally been completed. Solomon's father, David, wanted to build the temple, but the Lord said, no, there's too much bloodshed on your hands. You cannot prepare and build the temple, but your son, Solomon, he will build it. David was so eager, he says, okay, well, I can't build it. I'm still going to get things ready. He got so much gold and silver and various items timber etc ready for the temple he even David made instruments to be able to play to the Lord when the temple would be dedicated and so Solomon got the privilege of building the temple and it was now completed after a seven-year project that's quite a while so there was excitement it's over the project has been done. We have this beautiful new temple, and the people gathered before the Lord and they were ready to dedicate the temple and to offer sacrifices. The Levites, the musicians, they were playing, there was celebration. It was an exciting time in the land. And Solomon got up and he prayed a prayer of dedication. He prayed quite a long one if you look at earlier parts of scripture. And he prayed this, and immediately, After praying the prayer of dedication, fire came down from heaven and burnt and consumed the offerings on the altar. And then straight after that, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It was so strong that the priests were not able to go in because of the power and the glory of God. All the people around about were in absolute wonder and amazement. They even fell on their faces and they exclaimed, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. They just saw the glory of God and now they're talking about the goodness of God. I remember my dad in the last sermon he ever preached in 1997, he said that the glory of God And the goodness of God are very closely connected. You cannot experience God's glory without seeing His goodness. And so here they see the glory of God. And what do they say? They begin to cry out and exclaim, For He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Say that with me, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Come on, one more time with a bit more passion. For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And that's what they say when they saw the glory of God. Now listen to this. Get a load of this. They offered 22,000 bulls in this offering. Can you believe that? Oh, you seem mildly impressed by that. People, 22,000 bulls is a hang of a lot. And besides for 22,000 bulls, they offered 120,000 sheep. Wow! This was the bra to end all brides. No halon's bra. Fire came down from heaven. So this was actually flame grilled because it just tastes better. So maybe I'd like to submit to you that Solomon was the ultimate braai master. (laughs) Forgive me for deviating for a moment, but I couldn't refuse. Now, did you know that the meat was then given to the people? They were given it to eat and enjoy the meat together before the Lord, and it was a wonderful occasion. This lasted for seven days. It was a huge party. Now, when the festivities were all over, Everybody began to return to their own villages, and it was all quiet. You know that kind of quietness? You've been on a camp where afterwards everybody leaves the campground, all the kids are gone, and it gets quiet. It's almost a little bit sad. I find it's a bit sad when everybody goes, you know? And maybe it was like that. Around the temple, now everything's quiet, it's a little bit sad, all the party and all the festivities are over, And later on, seemingly on that same day, at night, God appears to Solomon. And Solomon was probably back in his palace, and he was probably in bed. He's alone at night. The celebration is over. And then the Lord spoke to him, and he said, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, Solomon, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Imagine you alone in the palace at night and uh, you are hearing this. You realize God has just spoken to you. And I want to say that God was revealing a powerful truth to Solomon. And he was saying that if the nation gets sick, this is a remedy for how to bring healing in the nation. Powerful truth that came through from God. Now, there are five things that I want to say in the time that we have. Number one. We are so privileged to be God's people called by his name. Please say that with me. We are so privileged to be God's people called by his name. Our text in 2 Chronicles 7.14, the first part says, If my people who are called by my name. Now you could easily glance over that, not pay any attention to it. But notice the phrases, my people. Notice the phrase, called by my name. And I want to say that we are privileged people. We are privileged to be called and associated and called by His name. We are so blessed to be His. Come on, think about that for a moment. We are blessed. We are not shunted off and disregarded and of no value. No, no, no. We are called by His name and we are God's people. Tell the person next to you, you're called by His name. name. We are called by His name. And we have the most wonderful identity on all of the face of the earth. We should not be battling with our identity as believers in Christ, but we should be secure in whose we are. And do you realize, sir, ma'am, there is no other grouping on the face of the earth that has the privilege of carrying the name of Jesus, of carrying the name of the Most High God, of being identified with the great I Am. No other people on the face of the earth we are his people and we have claim to the name of God. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? You blessed, you privileged. Deuteronomy 28, verse 10. Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by Yahweh's name and they will stand in awe of you. There's another New Testament scripture which refers to the same thing of us being God's people. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 to 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now you are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. And so I want to say to you that you are special, dear child of God, because the great I am, says so. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, is this promise in Chronicles applicable to us today? Some people say, ah, oh, it's Old Testament, and we're new to and you can Is it applicable for us today? Well, it is an important question to ask, and I believe it needs to be answered. Originally, we know that the promise was made to Israel under the old covenant. However, as I've read this carefully and researched in preparing for today, I want to tell you, I am totally, fully convinced that this is for us as God's people still today. And we are permitted and allowed and even encouraged to take hold of this promise as God's people and make it our own. So the answer is yes. Even though it was originally addressed to the chosen nation of Israel, listen to this, it can be rightly applied to any nation that has a biblical heritage. In other words, any nation that has a biblical culture, a biblical people, a people of God, even it can be a heathen nation, but in the nation there is a blessed remnant, a strong remnant of the people of God, I want to tell you it can apply in all of those situations. And so if the conditions are met by the people of God, then the promise will definitely be fulfilled. And there will be restoration. Our God is still a God of restoration. And even though times will become very severe in the end times, I believe that God is still intent on restoring nations that will turn to Him. The scripture says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Oh, that was a little bit of a quiet amen. I want to say it again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow, you're awake. John John Barton Payne gives the following. It's on your screen. He is a theologian. He says, this great verse, the best known in all Chronicles, expresses, as does no other in Scripture, God's requirement for national blessing, whether in Solomon's land, in Ezra's, or in our own. Those who believe, that's God's people, must forsake their sins, turn from the life that is centered in self and yield to God's word and will. Then and only then will heaven send revival. I don't know about you, I find that very encouraging. So I wanna say this, that we can have confidence as we act on the scripture. Just now at the end when we pray, we can have confidence that we should be acting on the scripture. Number three, the priority of turning to God and seeking His face. Now, we mentioned there are four things that the people of God need to do. Uh, the first three are humble yourselves, pray, seek His face. Let's look at these for a moment. Humble yourselves, pray, seek His face. at all forms under point number three. Now, we need to humble ourselves. People of God, I need to, you need to. As God's people, we need to humble ourselves. This is a condition for seeing the promise fulfilled. How are you doing in terms of humility? Now, how can we, I want to give one or two aspects where we can work on things to increase humility in our lives. And one of them is admit when you are wrong. Don't be too proud to admit. In some families, you have fathers that will never say sorry. They always try to say, no, 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 you didn't understand me. I actually mean it like this. So if you look at it from this point of view, I'm I'm actually completely right. But I still hear what you, no, 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 that's not humility. I want to tell you that in terms of having successful relations, there needs to be humility. In marriages, humility is a key that will bless a marriage. So be willing to admit that you're wrong. Also, when you think of humility, see the picture Of being on your knee before the Lord. See the picture of bended knee. That's an outward picture of an inward heart attitude. One of our leaders spoke to me the other day, and he said to me that he had begun to wake up at about two o'clock in the morning for no apparent reason. And he thought, well, what's wrong? I'm not sleeping properly. What's going on? And he mentioned this to one or two of his friends, and eventually they said, you know, that the Lord might be actually waking you up for a time with him. Wow. So he began to actually get up, and his wife would still be sleeping, and he would read the word and pray a little bit, and and then on one of these occasions, he felt in his heart he must get flat on the face before the Lord, completely flat on the carpet, on his face before the Lord. It seems to me that he had never done this in his life before, but he just felt constrained by God, and he humbled himself and sought the face of the Lord, and he said, he said, It was about three weeks later that some contracts suddenly just began to come through in his company. At first, he didn't know why. And then later on, he put two and two together. And he believes it's because he humbled himself before the Lord. And God brought blessing as a result. Another way of humbling yourself is choose to deny the urge to promote yourself, to exalt yourself. Another way to humble yourself, listen, recognize that only God can turn the situation around. There's some people in the nation who are thinking, well, I'm going to have to take up arms. is not working. I'm going to have to take up arms. Let me tell you, that is not righteous. Some may trust in horses. Some may ch- trust in chariots. But we will trust in the name of our God. And I want to say to you that if you are humble, you realize that only God can get us out of this situation and you look to him, and you look to him alone. So we need to humble ourselves. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, God says, I dwell with him who has a humble, sorry, a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Another aspect still under this point is that we need to pray. Praying is part of the, preconditions to seeing this promise fulfilled. Now, the Hebrew word for pray in verse 14 of our text today emphasizes intercession. Would you please say intercession? Intercession. Now, intercession is something slightly different from typical prayer often in typical prayers and petitions, you're asking the Lord for yourself. You're saying, Lord, would you please help my kids in their exams? Uh, Lord, would you please help me with this car payment or whatever? But when it comes to intercession, it is not selfish. Intercession looks at the purposes of God and seeing the purposes of God. So intercession is about intervening in prayer. Entreating God in prayer, imploring God in prayer. And do you know that as we intercede, we push back literally the forces of darkness and we cause the kingdom of God to take steps forward? When you intercede, your prayers are powerful. And we need to realize that you are part of God's plan. Oh, Lord, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so interceding is seeing God's purposes come into effect in our nation. Seeing God's purposes in the earth. I think of the story in the Old Testament of Aaron and Hur. Do you remember Aaron and Hur? What were they doing? As leaders, they stood next to Moses and they raised Moses' arms while down below, the people of Israel were fighting against the enemy. And what was happening, as these arms were raised, effectively, this refers to intercession. As the arms were raised of Moses, the, uh, the people of God down in the valley crushed the enemy. But when the arms were lowered, signifying a relaxing of prayer, a stopping of intercession, then the enemy made great strides against the people of God. And so as people in this nation, we have to keep our hands, our arms lifted up in prayer. You have a part to play. Don't think it's just up to your life group leader or other spiritual leaders. We're a kingdom of priests. We need to keep our arms up in prayer and intercession so that the enemy will be defeated and crushed in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I believe that we should intercede individually. We should intercede corporately. Do you ever pray on your own for South Africa? Let me ask you, this week, suddenly, Zimbabwe was in the news, a big uh, thing taking place in Zimbabwe. Did you actually spend even a moment praying for Zimbabwe? They're our neighboring country, they're our neighbors. I found myself many times praying for Zimbabwe. Nobody told me to, I just sensed the burden from the Lord to intercede for Zimbabwe. And so we need to pray individually, intercede individually for our nation. We need to intercede corporately. That means life groups, prayer meetings at work, coming together in services like this, big interchurch gatherings. I think of what took place at, uh, in Bloemfontein, the It's Time event. Now, let me read this to you quickly. Andrew Murray, in his book, The Ministry of Intercession, said the following, The neglect of prayer is the great reason the church has not greater power over the masses in both Christian countries and in heathen countries. We have far too little a conception of the place that intercession should have in the life of the church and in the Christian life. And so I want to say to you today, maybe God is talking to us about intercession If my people will humble themselves and pray, the Hebrew word there signifying intercession, standing in the gap for our country. But also we need to seek his face under this point. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it's on your screen, but this time in the Amplified Bible it says, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and look at this, and seek, in other words, crave, require of necessity my face. We have to be a people that doesn't only seek God when there's tough times in our nation. We need to be those that will constantly be seeking God. We need to make sure that we are drawing near to him, making him the object of our affection, of our fascination. And it says in Psalm 27, verse eight, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Can you say amen? amen? Point number four: There can be no blessing without repentance. Please say this aloud with me. There can be no blessing without repentance. Some uh, Proverbs twenty-eight eleven, sorry, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, "He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy." Just a little statement. True repentance is more than talk. It is changed behavior. I want to tell you that one of the things that we need to repent of in our nation, both outside of the church and inside of the church, is racism. I believe that actually, perhaps in all of our hearts, there is a little degree of racism that we haven't yet dealt with, And God says that's unrighteous. We have to deal with it. But we can't just talk about it because true repentance is more than talk. It is changed behavior. where you start to look at your brothers and sisters in this nation as part of the kingdom of God, no matter what they look like. And where you start to look at your fellow man in this nation, whatever culture or creed they are, as made in the image of God. Folks, be challenged today. Realize we cannot allow this wicked thing of racism to have the prominence it has in our nation. So we mentioned four things that the people of God need to do, and the last one is turn from our wicked ways. And just to say on this for a moment that I believe that we need to repent of our personal trespasses as well as the national sins. You say, well, I've, I've never done certain of these national sins. Some of them we may have done. Some of them definitely not. But we have a part to play as representatives. And so I humbly suggest that the following are some of the national sins that require repentance, racism, hatred, anger, ancestral worship, bitterness, pride, wickedness, lawlessness. Immorality and sexual perversion, abuse, violence, unforgiveness, general wickedness. I did actually mention that. And of course, corruption and dishonesty. So I would submit to you that these are some, and there's more that could be added to the list. These are some of the national sins that need to be dealt with. We really need to. But what if we as God's people haven't personally committed these sins and they've been done by others, non-believers in the nation? Well, what we do as God's people is we stand in the gap. That is intercession. We stand in the gap and we intercede and we act on behalf of our nation. If my people will do something, then God says I will do something. And we have to act on behalf of the nation. And listen to this. What we as believers do can and will affect the whole nation. Do you know that there's a principle around this? And it was a case of God blessed Potiphar's house all because of Joseph. A heathen home was blessed because of a man of God. God blessed Laban's house because of Jacob. And let me say this loud and clear. God can and will bless South Africa because of all the born again believers in our nation. That will act on behalf of the nation. And yes, sin will ultimately be dealt with. God will never excuse sin but we can act on behalf of our nation to repent, to ask for healing, and to trust that the wickedness will be brought down. Please say amen. Amen. Now, point number five is a brief one. Our godly actions bring healing to the nation. Please say that with me. Our godly actions bring healing to the nation. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the things that you, as a washed in the blood of Jesus, child of God, do actually affect the nation. May faith be revealed. May faith be stirred up in this place in Jesus' name. Just a little deviation for a moment. Why do we experience things like drought or pestilence? Sometimes it's actually the result of our own doing, because we are not taking proper care of our planet. And it can be because of things like that. But at times, it can be God's way of getting the attention of the nation and calling the nation back to him. He could be whispering through a drought saying, you are not turning to me, my people. You are allowing rampant wickedness and corruption. You must turn to me and I will heal the nation. But thankfully, God has given us the remedy through 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, and it says there in the last part, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Say those three words with me out loud. Heal their land. Is God a God that's care, that cares about healing the nations? I believe he does. And I believe that he wants to do this, particularly in South Africa, because South Africa is going to be an example to the nations in Africa. And so God says, if my people do something, I will do something. Our actions can bring healing. Now, the last verse that I want to refer to, Jeremiah 33, verse 6, it's on your screen. And God says, nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people. And I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Have you heard the word of the Lord today? Amen. I'm going to ask for something of a solemn moment before God in prayer when I lead you in prayer. May I invite you to stand and please don't leave unless the hospitality team needs to leave to get things ready. Would you please stand and take the hand of the person next to you? Can you put my microphone just a little louder? Here is a moment for us to pray. It's a prayer that I've prepared in order for us to pray into this. And we just say, Holy Spirit, welcome here right now. Do the work that only you can do. And there's a place in the prayer that I say, now we, go, we cry out to you, God, heal our nation. And when I say that, I want to ask that you begin to just lift your voice. That you just begin to lift your voice and cry out to God for the healing. Intercede in healing by the words that you say, by crying out for the healing of our nation, and even by praying in tongues, whatever. But I thank you, Lord, that this is a solemn moment as we, your people, pray. Would you please pray this prayer out aloud with conviction right now after me. Heavenly Father, Father. we come before you you. in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. Our hearts are burdened burdened. For for our country, South Africa. We humble ourselves. And we recognize that only you can truly heal our nation. We intercede for our nation. We stand in the gap. And we push back the forces of hell and darkness. Satan, we resist you. In the name of Jesus. And we say, Jesus Christ, let your purposes prevail. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And we draw near to you. We seek your face. We want you. We need you in our nation. We pray that South Africa... We turn back to Jesus. We We call the nation back. back. And Lord, we repent of our personal sins sins. and the sins of our nation. nation. Forgive Forgive us for lawlessness. Forgive us for hatred and racism. For ancestral worship. worship. Forgive us for immorality, immorality. sexual perversion, perversion. for wickedness. wickedness. Forgive us for the terrible crime crime. Of of corruption and dishonesty. Forgive us our sins, we pray. And we repent today we repent. On, behalf of our on behalf of our nation. And now we call on you, Most High God, you, Most High God. To, heal to heal our nation. Say it again, heal our, heal our nation. Now you just begin to cry out to God for the healing of our nation.
1: We cry out to you, Lord. Let our nation be healed. Let the wickedness be brought down. Let righteousness
0: be exalted in the nation. Heal our nation, Lord.
1: Heal our nation, Lord. Oh baba baya so bruko premiesembreatombruk. Mana no no
0: yos breki sembre sepelea peleazo con broyoso come on pray like the army of god matalaya sobroy sembre
1: manda dove y sembre yatsu con broveve sobro satalaya bro mana ninene sobro copra manbaba yos sobro satalaya sembre like etekbre se pelea baba baba
0: yos sobro ketie sobro Man this is spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare. Sabaia ya brokotoloyon sembrei eti. Man de Sabaia de de ye som brokum bre ya som bro. Saba ya babatolay ya som bokum bre. Men de kobra
1: cry, heal our nation, Lord, heal our nation, pour out your spirit on this land, heal our nation, let's sing it together, heal our cry to you heal our flesh heal us Lord your Spirit, pour out your Spirit on this land.
0: Lord I bless your people help us to be reminded in this week that we would intercede individually thank you at this time that you are raising the standard of prayer I think of the gathering this Friday lunchtime in Parliament when 250 leaders from around the Cape area will gather to pray in parliament for the nation. And we thank you for what you are doing. To you be the glory and the honor, the praise and dominion both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.